Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is finally back. That's right, we've got live UFC fights from the Apex. UFC Vegas 67 is headlined by Nisoradine Imavov versus Sean Strickland, fighting him on short notice up at 205 pounds. We will be breaking down that very complex main event as well as two other of our favorite fights as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. And in addition to that, I have, of course, been bringing you the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is co-main event Damon the Leech Jackson, who is fighting Dan Ige. Uh, and we will be talking to him about that fight and all kinds of other things. And then later on in the show, we're talking to Isaac Dolgarian, who, at the time of recording, we just found out had to pull out of his fight with an LCL injury. But, nevertheless, it's a great interview that tells him how he got through uh, Dana White's looking for a fight and the excitement of all of that. So we still wanted to get you that great content. And we're going to get to all of that great content right after we let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Picket app. The Picket social betting platform allows you to sync all of your bets from all of your sports books in one nice, neat little spot helping you stay on top of the way that you are the most profitable. Not only that, but it's a great place to connect with other bettors, whether that's showing off your big score to some of your friends or trying to gain a following in the sports betting community. Picket has you covered. New veteran and experienced bettors are all joining the Picket community. So what are you waiting for? Download the Picket app now on the Google Play Store or the App Store and get in on the fun. Picket brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Damon the Leech Jackson, who fights Dan Ige at UFC Vegas 67. That fight is on January 14th. And Damon, before we get to talking about that fight with Dan Ige, the, you know, one maybe one of the biggest fights of your career, I wanted to bring you back to the first time you were in the UFC, which is obviously a while ago now. You had kind of this weird three-fight run that, that you know, had a, a weird no contest in there. It had, a, you know, a weird positive drug test for an opponent in there. A lot of stuff going on. How weird is it now that that years later you're you're seeing completely different results? Do you, do you have something that you think is partially the reason for that? Well, I mean, a lot of people like when I first started uh, fighting, I made I, I made my UFC debut after a year and a half after I turned pro. So I had had I had nine fights in a year and a half. And uh, I beat Leonard Garcia, and they pulled me in, and I just was really young in the game. And, um, you know, as far as my first run in the UFC, that shit's an experience. You know, like, um, you know, once I made it in, I was not ready for well-rounded opponents. I wasn't ready for uh, the next level as far as, like, grappling and, and punching and everything. So it's like uh, once I got released, you know, I, all I did, I went straight back at, to LFA, and I built my way up, and I have, like, you know, 10 or 11 fights in LFA, and then I made my way back that uh, – you know, it's just the experience level. That's the big difference, you know. That's honestly just time on the mat. 
And, and so, yeah, that, I was just going to say that that's sort of what you attribute it the most to just time on the mat, time working with your coaches and stuff like that. You, you didn't feel like there was, there was a big ment- mentality change or anything like that. No, God, no. I was ready to go early. I just, uh, I was mentally, I've always been ready for this. I just, uh, you know, my tech, technical side wasn't there. My physical side was a little different. And I was training real hard, but I was doing things a lot, like, just kind of wrong. And, uh, you know, just overall, just the technique and time on the mat is what's a uh, big change. Interesting. Now, you mentioned in there, too, that you felt like you were maybe doing some things wrong, maybe training, the, the amount of training you were doing or the type of training you were doing was wrong. What, what was one of those, you know, maybe hard lessons you had to learn about training early on? Um, You know, just overtraining and not learning enough technique and kind of focusing more on strength and conditioning as opposed to learning the techniques, you know, that you need. So I think that, uh, you know, yeah, you got to be in great shape and everything, but if you're drilling and you're doing the things the right way as far as, like, uh, you know, you're doing your strength and conditioning, like, two or three days a week, plus but you're also doing technique uh, five to six days a week, that's going to be a huge difference uh, as opposed to just doing strength and conditioning four to five days a week, you know. It's really important to get those reps in. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you also mentioned in there, too, you felt like you were always ready for this. Like, mentality-wise, you were always ready yeah. for the life of a fighter. When did you sort of know that this is what you were going to do? This is what you were built for? I uh, Actually, seventh grade, man. I was like, or maybe it was like end of my sixth grade year. I was trying to figure out how uh, to get into the sport. And uh, wrestling seemed to be the most dominant thing that there was. And really, I grew up in a small town, so... Uh, Durant, Oklahoma, we didn't really have a whole lot besides wrestling. There was not a lot of martial arts there. So uh, wrestling and Taekwondo is what started with. I like it. And, and was there something that sparked you deciding like you, that you needed to do MMA? Was there somebody you saw a fight that, that sort of sparked that interest? Yeah, man. Uh, Frankie Edgar, he's been my favorite fighter from the beginning. And uh, in TSC and, uh, you know, Matt Hughes was a huge, like, you know, watching him double leg someone, pick him up and carry him across the cage, uh, it was pretty, pretty damn cool. And I've always wanted to do that. I've never done that. I still to this day, I've never done that. Uh, where I pick someone up and run with them across the cage. But uh, those guys definitely, um, you know, meant a lot to me when I first started. And just watching their wrestling, uh, you know, go through MMA was really cool. They just smash everybody. So. I like that. I like that. Now, let's talk about this run in the UFC now and a little bit less on the past because this run in the UFC has gone phenomenally for you. You're you're 5 and 1. You got three different finishes, and now they're giving you not just an opponent that is, you know, higher up than some of the past ones, but you're finally getting that thing that a lot of unranked fighters want, and that's that guy with a number next to his name. What was your reaction when they came to you with the name Dan Ige, you know, with that sparkly number next to his name? Well, actually, me and Dan were the ones that, that set it up because we were both like, we were both wanting to get one more in this year. So I messaged him. I was like, hey, man, i uh, got nothing but respect for you. You know, would love to get matched up with you. If you want to get one more in, let me know. And he was cool. He was like, yeah, man, you're killing it. You definitely deserve a shot at the top 15. Uh, let's try to get one in December. So we were both working on it, trying to get December. And, you know, the cards were full. They were just like pushing it back. We thought we were going to get on a 10th card, and then they – uh, then they moved it to January, and I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. You know, let's get, get it done. So, you know, I I, um, I kind of had my eyes set on either uh, Danny Gay, Alex Contreras, Julian Rose, uh, uh, you know, someone right there, either outside the top of the team or in the top of the team. 
and um, Dan was the guy who stepped up, and he's always game to fight, too. And out of curiosity, because that's maybe the first time I've heard of a fighter, you know, really booking a fight for himself, you know, completely through social media and without any, like, negative behavior, too, right? Like, not without the shit talk. Is that something that you've done before in the past, or is that the first time and it just happened to work on the first go? No, I've always kind of, like, you know, it's a sport to me. This is not an emotional fight, you know, like. The only way, the only way I'm fighting in the street is if my family's in trouble or if someone's really trying to like, you know, hurt me or hurt someone I know. That's the only way I'm fighting in the street. So there's no emotion with me with fighting. Uh, me fighting is just a sport. And uh, you know, for me to hit someone up, yeah, I'll be cool with him and I'll, I'll talk to him in that way. But I'm not his friend. I'm not. You know, we're cool enough to where we can talk and we're both level-headed. Uh, but we're not friends. We're there to, you know, we're there to punch each other in the face. We're both there to finish the fight. Um, and I expect 100% from that from Dan, even though we're cool. I know he's going to be coming to my head, and um, I'm doing the same thing. So uh, I'll, I'll do this if I ever have. I don't like talking publicly, talking crap about people and trying to start stuff like that. Um, you know, I was willing to step up on that Bryce Mitchell fight. I was going to step in last minute, and um, it just didn't work out. They wanted the Ilya fight with him, so they moved his fight to December. But I personally messaged him, and we had a couple of back uh, goes back and forth, and he was he just said like, uh, you know, um, UFC wants me to fight Ilya. He's in the, you know he's coming up through the top fifteen. They want us to fight, and they're going to put it for December. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. You know, if you if you want someone to step in, I'm ready to go. And that's you know, we had a conversation like that. So uh, I can be cool with people and still punch them in the face. There's nothing. Uh, there's no emotion there for me like that. It's not about, um, you know, emotional fight. It's, it's about a physical challenge, and, you know, that's what I'm there for. Absolutely. I love hearing that. So I, I got to ask, too, because you brought up the name. I want to talk more about Dan Ige, but you brought up the name Aliyah Tapuria, a guy who's, you know, given you your only loss since you've come back to the UFC. And, you know, like you said, you, you guys are both kind of sprinting up the division right now. A win over Dan Ige, you got to imagine you're pushing that top 10. He's right around that top 10. Is that a fight you mentally have your mind on trying to get back, or is that one like, hey, if it happens hey, down the road, yeah, it happens? I was trying. I was hoping Bryce was going to be like, oh, a horse kicked me in the knee, and now I got <laughs> knee surgery, and I had to step in last minute. That's I was. I want that. I want that back really bad. You know, it's like I'm not going to sit here and overthink it and try to like work my way into another matchup with him. But if something ever comes up and we're you know in the top five, top ten in the division. Um, and they, they somehow match us up again before the title fight, then, yeah, that's what I want. And I would love to run it back with him. He's a tough-ass dude and a, a huge challenge. And I've got, you know, nothing but respect for him. And I really didn't think his style was the what, like the way it is. Whenever I first was watching tape on him, I thought he was, you know, 100% a grappler. So he really, uh, you know, he did a really good job. He tricked me for sure. And, uh, you know, I was not ready for that fight different fight you know i was not expecting that kind of fight for sure he's a tough dude though absolutely now let's let's get talking about the task at hand and that's dan ige a guy who you know early on in his career similar to alia taburia seemed to be a guy who just leaned on his wrestling pretty heavily he was doing it a lot towards you know picking up victories over guys mostly using his grounded pound using his rear naked chokes using you know just laying on top of some guys and now we see him, you know, kind of leaning a little bit more towards the striking. He hasn't really shot many takedowns over his last few fights. How, how do you see that style mixing up with yours? 
Uh, you know, like he's definitely got the wrestling pedigree in there to like, you know, square up with me on wrestling and stuff. So, um, you know, this is going to be a true mixed martial arts fight because it's like, yeah, uh, I might shoot him for a shot and he might defend it. And then I've got to go into, you know, boxing for the rest of the fight or I've got to go into kicks and whatever. So this is going to be a big test in a lot of ways, not just as in, uh, you know, the matchup is him being top 15 and him um, fighting the caliber of fighters that he's fought. This is a challenge because he's a very well-rounded uh, fighter. He's uh, he's been around for a while. He's fought the best of the best. You know, he's a tough dude for sure. It's a challenge. Absolutely. And before I let any fighters go, I always like to try to get a prediction out of them. So how do you see this one ending on January 14th? I think everybody uh, kind of knows my style now. I mean, I'm coming forward. I'm looking for that finish. Uh, I know that he's right there with me. I know he's looking to finish the fights. He's swinging heavy. He's you know, technically wrestling, this is going to be a fight. Um, you know, my matchup on the ground with anybody, and I and I I I've outmatched him on the ground for sure. Outmatched him on the ground. Uh, on the feet, it's going to be a fight, dog fight. But I get him to the ground, I, I'm finishing the fight. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Damon the Leech Jackson, who fights Dan Ige at UFC Vegas 67. That fight, January 14th. Damon, thanks again for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Damon the Leech Jackson. I Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we have finally made it. We've made it through the lull that was, you know, the holidays of the UFC. We're back to fights. Let me ask you this. It's not maybe the most exciting fight card, but which fight in the next, let's say, month or so are you most excited now that we're back? Ooh, wow. Catching me off guard because now I need to look at – I was ready for this week, but now I need to look at the next two weeks of January, unless you could tell me a couple of things off the top of your head. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so while you stall in, in, go ahead and look those types of things up. I, I'll be honest. First of all, I, I'm excited for Nasoradin and Mobovs. I, I do really think – He's got a load of potential, and this kind of, like, last-second shift is maybe not the best thing in the world for him career-wise. I'm also, like, really oddly excited for Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker, because let me tell you something. Here are two guys who I just don't ever know what to make of them. Like, if you tell me to make a pick in that fight, I'm not looking forward to it. But if you're just telling me to go enjoy the weirdness that is Johnny Walker training at SPG Gym and somehow turning into a grappler... Uh, where he rear naked chokes his last opponent. And then Paul Craig, who's supposed to be this guy who's, you know, rounding out his game and just butt-scooted his way to a loss against Vulcan Ozdemir. I'm so intrigued about what the hell that looks like. And Paul Craig just came out and said he's ready to knock Johnny Walker out. So who the hell knows what's going to go on. But I think that will be weird and fun. So now that I've given you some time to stall and think of what you're excited for, what are you excited for? Yeah, so the answer is, I was just looking up the schedule, and I actually, I thought that the Glover-Jamal Hill match was in February, but it's actually January 21st, which is great for everyone, so it's closer than I thought. And I'm very excited, believe it or not, for Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. I think that's a fun matchup. I actually wish it was five rounds. And Burns is just at this crossroads to me. I love when guys get to this point in their career because he reels off, you know, 100 wins in a row, takes the first round against the champ Kamara Usman, in my humble opinion, then gets brutally knocked out in the second round, comes back, solves the puzzle that most people can never solve in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and then loses a banger of a fight to Kamzat Chimiev. I expect him to beat Neil Magny, but Neil Magny, you know, not, not the easiest person to put away. So I'm really looking forward to that fight. And I'm also going to say this, 
I'm looking forward to Glover versus Hill. Not so much about stylistic or anything like that, but I love the, I actually don't love it, but I guess I'm here with popcorn for the insanity of the light heavyweight title and what's going to happen. If Glover loses, that feels like what the hell Hill's going to be our champion GTFO. And if Glover wins, you know, and they say something like, Oh, we want you to defend, you know, uh, in July, he's going to be like, no, I'm waiting for Yuri. So I kind of love the drama of all that. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. First of all, I will say to your Burns Magni point, Dude, Magny makes everybody look bad. Nobody looks good against Neil Magny, right? Like, it just feels like every single time he steps in there, whether he wins or loses, he he makes you sweat. Uh, And I think that that's an interesting piece for Burns. And I'll agree with you. I'm here for the 205 drama right now. I think it's so weird. And I, I, I think, I mean, we both said it on our preview show for the year when we were predicting the chance at the end of the year. We both said Glover at the end of the year because if he does win this fight, Magomed Ankaliyev, Back of the line, dude. Jan Blankovic, back of the line. Because the bottom line is this dude is waiting for Yuri Prohashka for his retirement fight. Because let's face it, Glover doesn't have three fights left. Glover might have one fight left. Glover might have two fights left. Glover does not have three fights left. So, you know, that dude is going to be looking to get one back against Yuri Prohashka. And uh, I- I'm excited for if that fight happens too. But yeah, the, the Hill fight, also exciting. Um, we seem to be talking a lot about UFC 283 though. Uh, so why don't, why don't we transition to, uh, what, what brought us to the table, so to speak? Yeah, I love it. We actually have fights this weekend. Like you already said, it's a fight night, but Hey, there's some stuff on this. Uh, it's UFC Vegas 67. We're doing our favorite segment on the show, fights, dogs, parlays. We'll break down a couple of fights, give you a live dog to play and a parlay to play. But before we reveal all that great info, Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of fights, dogs, and parlays? Absolutely. Fight Talks and Parlays brought to you by MyBookie. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the best in combat sports like the UFC or play for a share of big cash prizes in their weekly blackjack tournaments. And plus, you can now sign up at MyBookie and use promo code TOPTURTLE on a deposit of $500 or more and claim a bonus of up to $200. Once again, that's promo code TOPTURTLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for bettors looking to get their cash in and out quickly. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. I love it. MyBookie. 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 Nazardine Imavov is a minus-120 favorite to Sean Strickland, who's taking this fight on five days' notice. He just recently headlined another fight night, and here we are again. Strickland on the short notice is a plus-100. Uh, Imavov is on a three-fight win streak. He lost to Phil Hawes via majority decision back in February of 2021 and comes back with a TKO over Edmund Shabazian and Ian Heinish, and then a unanimous decision win over Joaquin Buckley. That was back in September. And here we are, a surging Nazardine Amavaz. And Sean Strickland, on the other hand, is on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Alex Pereira via KO. That was the fight that sent Pereira to the to the title, uh, title eliminator, if you will. And then he took a split decision loss to Jared Cannonier, did Sean Strickland. Uh, very short notice here. Again, he just fought Cannoneer December 17th. Who you got? I'm going to go with Nasoradini Mavov. I think there's a couple of problems here with Strickland. First of all, I don't like that he's taking this fight on short notice. I think that that's a bad look for him. 
in addition to that, we've got Imavov, who a lot of people have said, like, the, the biggest issue with him for a lot of people has been his cardio and not thinking he can look good into a third or a fourth or a fifth round. And, and that's why some people had been picking Calvin Gasolum against him. But the, the fact of the matter is, now that this is up at 205 pounds because it's on short notice and Strickland isn't going to be able to make that cut, Strickland is going to be the one suffering through a weight cut, whereas Imavov is probably already pretty close to 205, right? Like, he pretty much just eliminated needing to cut weight at all. I, I mean, he might cut a little, but it's no longer like a 25-pound weight cut. It's a 5-pound weight cut. He just skips his morning breakfast, and he's good to go. So, like, I like that for his cardio. And in addition to that, I will just say, the thing that has been making Sean Strickland lose as of late is he's throwing volume but not power, right? Like, he's just trying to, like, touch people. I think that that's a problem against a guy like Asordi Mavov because Mavov, he does pick his spots, but he's really elusive on defense. His striking defense rate is over 60%. He's really hard to touch. And when you do get over aggressive trying to touch him, he counters really hard. So, yeah, I like Nasordim Amavov in this spot. I, I think both the short notice nature and the stylistic matchup favor him here. I like it. Uh, you want to talk about two guys going in opposite directions for their career. Uh, Dan Ige is on a three-fight losing streak. You'd have to go back to a win over Gavin Tucker in March of 2021. Uh, for his last win, and he lost to Calvin Cater before that. So he's actually one and four in his last five and really struggling. You know, he doesn't want to lose four in a row. That could be territory for being cut, but he's fighting Damon Jackson, who's on a four-fight win streak himself, coming off a big TKO win with a performance of the night bonus, uh, beating Pat Sabatini back in September. But here's the mind-blower of it all. One guy, three-fight losing streak. One guy, four-fight win streak. The guy on the three-fight losing streak is the favorite, Dan Ige, minus 125. Damon Jackson, four-fight win streak, just a plus 105. Who you taking? I'm going to go with Damon Jackson, and not just because he was on the show, but, man, dude, I went back and I looked at Dan Ige's record, and I have to be honest, this dude doesn't have a lot of great wins on his record. Like, I, I see him ranked number 10 or number 12 in, in the featherweight division here and there, and I think he was up to 7 at one point in time. And when you look back at that record, you know, you mentioned lost to Ivoyev, lost to Josh Emmett, lost to Korean Zombie, lost to Calvin Cater, all reasonable losses. But when you look at his wins, there's just not a lot there. You know, Danny Henry, Kevin Aguilar, Amir said Bechtik, Gavin Tucker. Well, like, I, if yeah, I, I'm, you so, could, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think if I may... It's because he beat Mirsad Bektik and Edson Barbosa. Bektik was somewhat regarded at the time of the win in 2020. But guess what? They were split decision wins. Yeah, and I was going to say that that Edson Barbosa won. I scored for Barbosa. I, I thought Barbosa won that fight too. So, like, even his best win is a very questionable split decision. And the other one is a, a trouble with grappling against Mirsad Bektik. And not that Bektik wasn't a good wrestler and isn't still a good wrestler, but, like, I actually think Damon Jackson is a much better wrestler and grappler. And when you look at the fact that Chan Sung Jung gave Danny Gay trouble in the grappling, Mozart Evloyev gave him tons of problem in the grappling department. I think Damon Jackson's got that same path to victory. Then you add in the fact that Damon Jackson just blasted Pat Sabatini, who, you know, is a pretty damn good wrestler in his own right. And before that, he beat Dan Argenta, who's a good wrestler. So, this is a dude who's going out and beating good wrestlers against a guy who's having trouble with wrestlers. So, yeah, for me, I love Damon Jackson in this spot. I think he's actually being maybe even a little undervalued at plus money here. 
I hope you're taking notes on this, and I hope you're going to my bookie with our promo code when you make these bets. Let's keep moving. We're on a roll here. Caitlin Vieira is a minus 110 favorite. Raquel Pennington, all, or excuse me, Caitlin Vieira and Raquel Pennington are both minus 110, which is to say Vegas has no idea what to make of this fight. Very curious to hear what you make of this fight. Vieira on the two-fight win streak and Raquel Pennington, the veteran, uh, on a four-fight win streak. It's crazy to think about her debuting on the Team Rousey versus Team Tate final all the way now 10 years ago, back in 2013, and on a four-fight win streak. Who you got? I'm going to go with Ketlin Vieta. I actually think she has a huge advantage in this fight because you mentioned the four-fight winning streak of Raquel Pennington, and, and I knocked you know the Dan Ige's resume recently. I'm going to knock hers a little bit here, too. I mean, she has that win over Aspen Ladd when Aspen Ladd looked like a shell of herself. Um... You know, the Macy Shea-Fasson fight, you know, props to her on that one. That one's a good win. The Panikian-Zad and Marianne Renault fights kind of were lackluster for me. And before that, she got controlled really heavily by Holly Holm. Holly Holm took her down a bunch of times, held her up against the cage and stuff like that. Whereas on the other hand, you got Kellen Vieta, who I think is surging right now. You know, she looked excellent against Misha Tate. I loved what she did against Holly Holm, although that wound up being a split decision somehow. Uh, look, I, I think Ketlin Vieta has the advantage in power. She's got the advantage in reach here. I think she's going to do a lot of work on the feet here against uh, Raquel Pennington. And the more and more gritty Raquel Pennington tries to make this fight look, the more and more I think just like Ketlin Vieta is going to take over physically too. She is very strong and a very big woman. So g- give me Ketlin Vieta here. I like it. Uh, let's get to our dog of the week. It's Jimmy Flick, a plus 300 over Charles Jer- Johnson. Yeah, I don't know how Jimmy Flick got to be a plus 300 underdog here against Charles Johnson. Because don't get me wrong, I like Charles Johnson. I think Charles Johnson is pretty darn good. But Charles Johnson is not on a great streak right now. Charles Johnson is coming off of a win that was, let's say, controversial. I'm not going to say, you know, he he straight up didn't win it. I I think you could probably score that fight for anybody. But he beat Shagas Jumagulov, sort of. And before that, he got absolutely blasted by Mohamed Mokhaev who just, you know, outclassed him in pretty much every single way. Now he's going to be fighting a guy in Jimmy Flick who is not the same kind of grappler as Mokhaev because he's not like an imposing wrestler, but he's so talented on the mat with his submissions and stuff like that. He's so creative. I think the only reason we're seeing Jimmy Flick as this huge underdog is because he had that layoff where he thought about retiring and eventually he's back now. People are wondering if his head's in it, but whether or not his head's in it, the dude's been training, the dude's gotten a full training camp in, and I think his submission skills are good enough here. So, yeah, give me Jimmy Flick. Our parlay to play is the aforementioned Caitlin Vieira, minus 110, and Javed Basharat, a minus 345. A minus 345, but it's a parlay, so let's get wild because it gets you plus 146 odds. Break it down. Yeah, I'm just looking for a way to spruce up those Ketwin Vieta odds here because Javid Basharat is a huge favorite. It's nothing I would play on its own, but Javid Basharat – Uh, Dude, I've just been so impressed by him and his brother since they both got contracts on Contender Series. The Snow Leopard looks like he can absolutely take down anybody and dominate him on the mat anytime he wants. And half the time he chooses not to, and he outclasses him because he's super elusive on the feet too. He's going to be fighting Matthews Mendonca, who, you know, is very good in his own right. And he impressed me on Contender Series. But he's stepping into a world of hurt here. Uh, This is a huge step up for him, whereas it's actually probably a step down for Basharat. So I expect Basharat to sort of put on a showcase. And, you know, I've already mentioned why I like Ketla Vieta, but at negative 110 for those Vieta odds, sure, I'd like him to be spruced up a little bit. So let's put them together and get plus 146. I love it. And please remember, it's 
my bookie for all your betting needs they help keep the lights on in our podcast studio my bookie my bookie who's bookie my bookie gumby we're rolling here where do we go next all right we're going to transition now to my interview with isaac dolgarian which i regret to inform you about 30 minutes before we started recording this fight it was announced that he has pulled out of his fight for this weekend against dan argetta the aforementioned dan argetta they've got a replacement fighter for argetta but because we already had this interview in the can for you guys, we wanted still to give you some of the interesting things that Isaac Dolgarian said about his time on Dana White's looking for a fight, getting that contract and that magical moment that was there for him. So we're going to give you that content right after we let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Isaac Dolgarian. Alright, and joining me today is Isaac Dolgarian, who fights Dan Argetta at UFC Vegas 67. That fight is on January 14th, so... Isaac, I wanted to start here. You know, you you make it to the UFC through looking for a fight from FAC 12. It it was an emphatic win, right? Like one of the better wins on that show. You turn the dude's lights off. You know, you win a title in the process. But it was only your fifth pro fight. Did did you feel like for sure that that meant you were getting a contract? Uh, I mean, there was a bunch of good finishes that night. I mean, my teammate Gay Jung had an awesome finish. Um, early on on the card, and then uh, I forget his name, but Dudu's uh, co-main, uh, Dudu Dantas, he had a nasty head kick knockout. So I was like, uh, before I even walked out, I was like, man, if I want this contract, I got to do something special. So uh, that's what I told myself, and, you know, that's what I did. I think that I deserve the contract just because I'm – I mean, Dudu Dantas is a vet, and he has a lot of experience, but uh, I'm just – I'm younger and uh, ready to go, so – I'm glad that I got it, and, I mean, what else can you ask for a highlight knockout like that? Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, too, how long did they make you wait to find out? Were you you told pretty much right away by Dana? Do you wind up having to sit backstage and, and bite your fingernails for a little while? What, what was it like for you? Gotcha. Yeah, so literally as soon as I finished the fight, I walked back, got checked by the doctors, and they told me before I even got my gloves off. They shoved me in a room with Dana and all the Nelk boys and uh, presented me the contract and stuff. Uh, so it happened very quickly for me. Well, that that's great. Now, so, so obviously, you know, it, it's an emphatic yes, too. What, what were the emotions like going through at that time? Oh, man, it was a, it was a roller coaster for sure. But uh, I feel like I got what I earned. And, you know, I was just excited. Uh, my family was super excited, and I was just really gra- uh, glad and happy to make my grandpa proud. Well, that's great that they got to share that moment for you. Now, I, I do also have to ask, because, you know, this is a huge moment for you, uh, something that people wait, you know, 10 years of their career into. They feel this moment, but you're here only two years removed from turning pro. W- what has this two years felt like for you? Man, it's it's went by pretty quick, honestly. It's just been filled with a lot of training, um, a lot of going up, down, around, you know. But um, we're here, we're ready, and uh, I'm excited to uh, show what I can do January 14th. 
And, and was this always kind of what you, you saw as your career path? I, I know obviously you were a uh, wrestler in college and stuff like that too, but did you always see the transition to MMA as the logical one or did it just take off the minute you decided to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I always thought that I wanted to, I mean, I didn't really have any idea what MMA was really about, like what it actually is from just coming from the wrestling world. Like you think the re- you can just come in and wrestle and it's not like that. Um, but shoot, man, I wa- grew up watching my cousin Elsie Davis fight. So I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps a little bit and fight. And I just got thrown in the gym one day and I loved it. So I just stuck around and I've just been having success. So it seems like it was meant for me. Well, I didn't know that you were related to L.C. Davis. That, that's pretty awesome, you know, and for, for those who are listening and, and don't know L.C. Davis, the guy is a, you know, Bellator vet, a WEC legend, you know, like a whole, all those kind of things. Did you grow up watching oh. him? Did, did you grow up, you know, kind of going to his fights and stuff? Yeah, I never got to go to his fights because I was always busy wrestling. Like, I'd travel every weekend, but we watched all his fights uh, online or on the TV, whatever, and I got to train at his gym for a little bit when I was young. Um, we didn't really get to do like full, I didn't really do full MMA stuff cause I was busy wrestling, but I mean, I got in there, learned how to throw a jab, throw a couple kicks, you know, just messing around as a 15, 16 year old. That, that's cool. And, and now you mentioned your family getting a chance to be at FAC 12 and, and seeing you get that contract. What, was he there as well? Did with kind of the guy who brought you to that origin point? Oh yeah, he was there. Um, he cornered me through most of my other pro fights. Um, but this one he had, he's a high school wrestling coach. So he had something going on before. So I had to get another corner, but he was definitely there, uh, front row. Oh, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Now I want to get to talking about this fight with Argetta and your chance to make your UFC debut. But before I do, I'm a guy who always likes to get the story about where people's MMA nicknames come from. And you obviously, you know, there's a hundred bulldogs, there's 75 gladiators, you know, there's. 22 hitmen oh, yeah. but there's only one midwest choppa so tell me wh- where does midwest choppa come from and when did you start getting called that yeah only one uh my my buddy kobe fair he trains out at extreme couture right now he's definitely a name to keep an eye out for in the near future uh, he kind of just gave me that nickname based off my style you know he was my college roommate and so we went through a lot together in the wrestling world and now we both transitioned to mma and it just really fits my fighting style well. So he kind of he kind of blessed me with that name. I took it and ran with it, and everyone seems to love it. So I do love it too. What what about your style makes you a choppa, so to speak? Uh, well, I mean, in my pro debut, I forgot to use my hands and only used elbows. I'd be chopping <laughs> using elbows. Uh, I I kind of have a relentless style of attack, just rapid fire, boom, 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 boom. You know, uh, just like a chopper, a machine gun, you know. So he kind of just gave me that nickname, and uh, it's stuck ever since. I love it. That's perfect. Now, let's talk about your UFC debut. UFC Vegas 67 on January 14th. You're getting to fight Dan Argetta. He's a guy who is on the Ultimate Fighter. He's, of course, gotten to make his UFC debut since then. But I'm curious, are you the type of guy who watches the Ultimate Fighter? And so were you watching the season he was on? Yeah, I watched it. I watched the season he was on. Uh, one of my Armenian brothers was on that uh, same season, so uh, I was kind of just checking it out and watching. And yeah, I seen him fight Tercios on there, and then I saw his debut against Damon. So, so you know, having already some knowledge of him before they even offer him to you, when when your management comes to you and says, "Hey, they want you to fight Dan Argetta, January fourteenth," 
you know, what are your, your reactions knowing that you already know the guy and, and a little bit about his style? Man, I didn't get, nobody came and told me I, uh, that that was an option. They said, Dan Argeta. I said, yes, sir. You know, I'm a soldier, foot soldier out here. So they give me a name. I sign, I sign the line and fight. I love it. I love it. Now, you know, when we saw him on The Ultimate Fighter, he was a guy who who relied pretty heavily on his wrestling and and who relied pretty heavily on his grappling. Now, you know, he's coming up a weight class like he did to fight Damon Jackson, to fight you at featherweight, and you're a guy coming from a wrestling background. I I assume you don't think he's going to try to come in here and wrestle you, right? Is is this sort of the, the type of fight you see taking place on the feet or you getting the wrestling going? I mean, you know, stylistically speaking, historically, when two guys are wrestlers, they end up striking. Um, I'm down. I'm down for whatever. You know, I think I'm better everywhere. And if Dan wants to stand and strike only and play play the distance game, we can play that game. Um, or if we want to, if we want to grind and grapple and make it make it a gritty gritty fight, you know, we can do that too. I'm ready for everything, and uh, I know damn well if we get into a grappling situation. Uh, one of us are going to be sucking our tails. All right. Well, th- then that brings me to the end of the interview where I always like to get a prediction. How do you see this one ending on January 14th? Oh, uh, brother. Uh, I mean, I would like to say I, I could get a first round finish, but I know Dan is a, is a tough, gritty guy and he's not going to give me a thing. So um, I don't really have a prediction. I'm just going to let it fly. All right, well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is Van Isaac Dolgarian, who fights Dan Argetta at UFC Vegas 67. That fight, once again, is on January 14th. Isaac, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, the Picket app, and, of course, uh, my bookie. And in addition to that, you can check us out on social media at Top Turtle MMA in all of those locations. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.